1: Uh, bonjour, 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 and welcome to the Zwift Tour de France podcast. This episode twenty already. So I'm Christophe Malen, I'm your host. Every day of the Tour de France 2017. It's, so let me remind you that you can download and stream this podcast on SoundCloud, soundcloud.com slash cyclingcentral. You can, of course, find us on iTunes, uh, and you can also find us on our website, sbs.com.au slash cyclingcentral, or schedule a ride with our lovely partners at zwift.com. Joining me in this podcast today is, of course, Dave Mackenzie. Hey, Dave. Hey, hey, hey. Pretty good day for Australia with a, a green jersey on the shoulders of Michael Matthews. Before we talk about all this, uh, let's talk about what happened at uh, dinner last night. Um, just because I wanted to, br- to bring in, it's, it's an interesting subject, okay? Uh, we've been discussing the subject of Lance Armstrong and his podcast came about, so... Maka, you were there. And we're not going to name names, but the the crowd was very divided divided in between our team. 50-50, should we listen to Lance Armstrong? Should we listen to what he has to say? So I'm not going to
2: ask you your opinion, Maka, but uh, you're like me. You think there is a debate in this? Oh, there's a huge debate, obviously. And you know what? I was chatting to my colleague and good friend, Matthew Keenan. And he said, that's funny you say that. He said, I was sitting with the ASO crew, the, tour de, the people, the owners of the Tour de France and all of the crew. And he said, and mostly they're all French. And he said, that room was divided. That dinner table was divided. 50% think we should listen to him. 50% don't think. So, yeah, it, it, it made us think about that we should discuss it. Oh, absolutely.
1: So we're not going to uh, go into that discussion. But what we'd like to do is to ask you for your opinion. So what we'll do, we'll put a, a tweet out under, under my name, at simale, And I'll do a little poll. Should we listen to Lance Armstrong? Do we think he still has a voice on this, uh, on this debate? Because at the end of the day, we're not asking Ben Johnson about athletics. We're not asking Marion Jones about athletics. Should we ask or should we listen to Lance Armstrong?
2: You know what, You know what I think will happen. There'll be a style, mate. <laughs> it's quite funny, really, isn't it? It's, uh, but it's a talking point. Whether we like it or not, it's a talking point.
1: Absolutely. So we'll put it down to you, uh, listeners of the uh, Cycling Central uh, Zwift Cycling Central podcast. Should we listen to Lance Armstrong? Uh, look out for the tweet and answer and vote by pushing yes or no, or I don't know. Uh, green jersey, as I said, has changed shoulders quite dramatically, we have to, uh, to admit, because Michael Matthews is in green. Marcel Kittel has retired from the race on a grueling stage.
2: Yeah, and and the, the fact was, Marcel Kittle never got the chance to battle hard. He crashed. He got back going again, but obviously that crash had really hampered his his body and his performance, and, and that was it. He's out. So I'm, I was really – I must admit, I was in two minds – about how I felt Michael getting the green. And I think he was too. Um, I, want him to, I want him to win the green. I, you know, I'll, I'll be biased if you like. Uh, I want an Australian to win the green and, and I like Michael Matthews as a cyclist and a person. But it was a shame to see Marcel Kittle out in those circumstances. Yeah, and, and, but just to add to that, what I like about it is that it wasn't as if Matthews was 120 points behind him. He was breathing down his neck. So he's really deserved it. He's earned, he's earned the green jersey. Absolutely. Let's listen to my interview with uh, Michael Matthews. Michael, uh, how sweet is that
1: green
3: jersey for you? It's, uh, yeah, it's mixed feelings, really. I think um, I didn't really expect to have it today. I was expecting maybe these next few days to maybe, maybe wear it on the podium and then see what happens in Paris. But um, yeah, with the, with the bad luck of, of Kudel today, it's, um, yeah, it's a little bit mixed feelings. I, di- I didn't really want to get it this way.
1: Do you think bad luck is, or is it more linked to the pressure you've put on him for the last few days?
3: I'm not really sure. I guess I have put a lot of pressure on him by going in all the breakaways and uh, nice and, and making everything uh, really hard when uh, when he can't go for the when there's not opportunities to go for the flat sprints. I need to I need to make it hard in other places. And like yesterday, where we we heard that he was dropped, so we we put pressure on in the crosswinds over the climb. I think all these little things maybe added up, but um, in the end, it's just uh, I guess it's bad luck.
1: 160 points on top of uh, Greipo. I uh, mean, tomorrow
3: the strategy is to go to the finish line and then jersey is yours. 160, is it? Oh, that's nice. That's a nice buffer. I didn't know that, actually. But, um, yeah, that's really nice. I think, um, yeah, I don't think uh, Kido, uh, Gripo will really try. I think um, he, it was, he was with me yesterday and he, he didn't try to go for the intermediate. He's, he was pretty happy with um, just coming second behind me. So... Yeah, I think, it's, um, I think it's pretty much done. I just need to make it to Paris. Okay, last one.
1: Does that change your, the way you're going to tackle the, the stage tomorrow? The fact that you got a green today?
3: Well, hopefully I don't need to go in the breakaway again because I'm getting really tired of that. But um, yeah, we'll have to see. I think um, it, as long as I just fi- follow guys like Greipel I think, um, and they don't go in the breakaway, yeah, I think it's uh, pretty safe. Well done. Thank
1: you. So that was the word we had with, uh, with Michael Matthews. So clearly he didn't know he had 160 points on top of Greipel. Uh, that's, that's
2: huge. What was he doing? Was he going down the road just going, I'll just sprint and sprint and sprint and sprint, worry about, won't worry about the points? Was he not looking around at his rivals? It's hilarious, really. Maybe he was looking ahead and not, back, not behind him. That's true, that's true. And uh, it's quite funny because we analyse all that. And when it all unfolded, when, when suddenly we heard that Muscle Kittle had abandoned, we went, that's it. Matthews basically just needs to survive the next few days. Riding to Paris on two wheels, he's got the green. Absolutely, uh, that team. We kept mentioning it somewhere, but Warren
1: Barguil today did an amazing work, but not necessarily for his team. He worked a lot for Roman Bardet. He's a sly dog, you, you French, You sly dogs, aren't you? <laughs> well, uh, how many how many French people do you need to actually beat Christopher Froome? Oh, I reckon I reckon a huge handful. <laughs> yeah, not just one. But you know, clearly, on the on the on the last climb, we saw Roman Bar- um, We saw Warren Barguil. Helping and trying to uh, to drag Roman
2: Bardet up that hill. That's not uncommon, really. No, no, it's normal. And look, there was a common goal, and and in a sense, he was uh, he was riding for his own position as well, Bagil, because he can run top ten, and who knows, he can maybe go well inside the top ten. You just don't know what can unfold over the next couple of days. So. Yeah, it was, a, it was a common goal for those guys. And, and you know, let's, we've seen the Australians over the years, you know, assist each other when they're not on the same team. I mean, probably the most controversial one was Simon Clark giving Richie Port on an opposing team his rear wheel. And Richie Port got docked, I think, two minutes on that occasion.
1: Yeah, so that's pretty not uncommon. But uh, it's, from a French point of view, it's actually nice to see. Uh, but let's talk about Sunweb. We mentioned Sunweb a lot on this podcast. But at the end of the day, they're going to bring home a green jersey and a Porcado jersey. Let's not jinx anything, yeah. but that's the
2: high probability. Who would have thought about this back in Düsseldorf? And the three stage wins so far, so far three stage wins. They might, they might jag another one before the finish. Take out Sky because their sole purpose was to win yellow. That's the sole purpose. Stage wins aren't even are on the radar for them. Sole purpose yellow. Sunweb's the best team in the bike race this year. They've been entertaining that race. Uh, yeah, and that's you've hit it on the head. Not just with um, their wins and everything, but the way they've gone about it. You know, they have just been dynamite. And if you have to just literally throw a blanket over nine guys, they're the nine because as a team, they've been so good. Absolutely. Uh, Christopher Froome is still in yellow to so this stage. Aru got dropped relatively
1: dramatically, actually, I think, because in the end, the gap was quite significant. Uh, do you think is this is the end for Aru or are we going to see some more fire from the firing Italian?
2: This is the end. <laughs> Sorry, Fabio. It's the end, my friend. No, he will not win the Tour de France. Aru will not win the Tour de France. He's, he's had a great performance, though, because we have to remember, he was due to do the Giro d'Italia this year. Knee injuries hampered the whole first half of his season. So he should hold his head high. He's had a, and he's had a stage win. Let's not forget La Planche de Belfi, stage five. Brilliant stage win for him. He wore the yellow as well. He wore the yellow as well. So yeah. you're right. So... No, but he will not win the tour. Now that number shrinks down to just three. And so three we've got from, we've
1: got Uran that is now second, in the same second as Romain Bardet.
2: How exciting would it be for tonight? And you know what? Just for, for the listeners, if I'm, not sure, I'm pretty sure I said it either yesterday or the day before, Froome said to me, when I asked him, I said, give me a description of all of your three contenders a few days back, Bardet, Uran and Aru." And he went through them and I said, Uran. And he said, crafty. And you know what? For me, Uran is the biggest threat. Not because he's suddenly into second place, He's a threat. And again, I'll repeat it he can time trial. When he's on form, he time trials with the very best in the world, Uran. I would actually love to see Rigoberto Uran become the first South American, the first Colombian to win the Tour de France. I just think it would be such a magical story. Yeah, absolutely. And when you mentioned Crafty, he battled for that time bonus and he knew that could actually be the difference. And he didn't attack. He didn't really attack the whole way. He didn't attack up the climb. He followed Bardet at the very top because just in case they went over the top and dropped for him. So he was so smart. He was so, so smart. I'm, I'm loving what he's doing. And let's not forget, Drapak is an Australian company that he rides for, the team he rides for, Cannondale Drapak. Drapak is an Australian company. They could, be, they could be the first Australian company that wins the Tour de France. Absolutely. Uh, let's take a break. Uh, we'll chat to Robbie McEwen and we'll talk
1: about how he thinks Michael Matthews is feeling today with that green jersey. Because he's got that green jersey, he wore that green jersey and he won that green jersey. And
2: Robbie McEwen knows. 12 stage wins, three greens. He knows better than most. Absolutely. We we'll take a break and we we'll talk to Robbie McEwen. Uh, you, you stick around because we'll, we'll have a chat after that. I'll have a coffee.
0: Zwift is an indoor cycling platform where you can connect with a global community at any time. You can chat with people all over the world, share in group rides, get encouragement from total strangers, and then they quickly become your new riding buddies. In fact, one of the most incredible stories to come out of it, it took it to the next level. They met on Zwift, a couple, and then they got married. It's extraordinary. Really though, the Zwift community is incredible and people all over the world will jump on just to ride with their friends from halfway across the globe. Check it out for yourself at Zwift.com today.
1: What a pleasure to have in the podcast, Robbie McEwen. Hey, Robbie. Hiya. So, uh, you're fully commenting the whole the whole, uh, the whole
4: uh, tour. How are you finding it for the, doing the whole length? It's, it's long. It's hard, demanding work, but it's really enjoyable. It is good fun. There have been some moments throughout the days, these really long stages where the race falls into a pattern where it gets a little bit tougher, but sometimes you just have to let the race breathe a little bit, say, not as much. Um, But really, in this tour, there's been so much to talk about, so much action and lots of drama. It's made it quite easy because of the riders, the the race they're riding out there.
1: Matthew's in green. You won that green jersey, you won that green jersey. He's, he's nearly. He has to finish the Tour to, to have it, but the point buffer is huge. Uh, how do you think he's feeling? Can you tell us a bit more about how he's feeling right now?
4: I think he might be feeling ever so slightly surprised that it's worked out the way it has now. He's been fighting so hard to get points every day to try and catch up to Marcel Kittel. And he went into today still needing 29 points. And then suddenly... He got in the break and he was on track to get 20 and then he hears Marcel Kittel abandons from the tour. Suddenly, in one way, it might slightly feel like a relief, but I'm sure Michael was even just a little bit upset by the the news hearing that that's the way it's happened and feeling sorry for Marcel. Um, But, of course, a huge relief because I mean one thing about winning green is you have to finish the tour and that includes crashing and being able to keep going sometimes
1: how much of an Aussie battler do you think he is because he's been chipping at it chipping at it never giving up he's a true Aussie battler
4: yeah I mean that epitomizes the the type of behavior of an Aussie battler but anyone who just you know fights so hard for a goal that they've set even when it looks to have got away from them you know after the stage in de Bergerac uh 10 days or so ago Michael had a bad result, lost a lot of points in comparison to Kittel and thought the competition was over. He was a long way behind, but he just started to work his way back into it and took every single opportunity presented. So him and his team and the the staff, the the, the manager who's set the tactic as well, they've done it just perfectly and, and executed so well on everything. That's impressive to see.
1: Absolutely. Let's talk about you. How do you feel yourself being a next rider, still being in this world? Cycling is never away from you.
4: No, it never is. I mean, it was always my hobby. Then I got to do my hobby as my profession. And then I retired from racing, but I still like to ride a bike. I still really enjoy the sport. I love to watch it. Uh, And I love to talk about it and and analyze what's going on in in the races. So that's what I really focus on during commentary is to analyze the different situations, the tactics, what can possibly happen, what should happen. Um, And I love always the surprises uh, that pop up, especially during the Tour de France.
1: How sweet is going to be that champagne? back in paris if michael matthews is in green crossing that line
4: oh for him it's going to be incredibly sweet because to to win that competition i'm speaking from my own point of view it was often very stressful for the whole three and a half weeks of the tour de france so you you get there on one side you're excited uh you're ecstatic you're happy but you're really relieved that that competition is over and you can finally relax and then have a glass of champagne to celebrate with everybody who made it possible because it's always uh, with the help of a big team of people.
1: Let's not jinx him.
4: No, let's not jinx him. He's got to keep the rubber side down and he's got to make it all the way to Paris. So one more big mountain stage. And even after that, uh, there's the stage of Salon de Provence. So he's just got to stay on the bike and keep moving forward. He can't be passed on points. He just has to finish the tour. Um, Marcel Kittel probably five days or so ago he might have been thinking all i've got to do is finish the tour and i'll win green but it can turn around so quickly so michael's got to stay concentrated on the job for now in a few days time he can celebrate
1: thanks for being lovely to have you in the podcast
4: you're welcome
0: zwift is a sponsor of this podcast and we love it it's a transformative indoor cycling platform where you can connect with rides all over the world for group rides or workouts but it's also free for kids under parent supervision, kids under 13 can sign up for an account and ride for free. It's a healthy game for them and a way to let them play while also getting them off the couch. So if your little one wants to join you, you can Zwift side by side. It's pretty cool. Check it out for yourself at Zwift.com today.
1: Welcome back to the Zwift Tour de France podcast and we'll have a look at what's coming up tonight on this 18th stage of this Tour de France. What's coming up is more grueling work for the riders, as if one wasn't enough. Then the probably what would be the biggest stage? Would you say, would you say Michael, could be the biggest stage or the, well, maybe
2: the most difficult stage of this whole Tour de France tonight? It's the stage that will potentially decide the winner. The guy that rides on the champs in that yellow jersey because it's mountaintop finish. You know, the wild It's... Uh, well, when was the last time they went up the Tour? I mean, it's been in plenty of times, but not not a lot in recent years. You know, in the last decade, we haven't seen the race go up the Isward a lot of times. Um, and a mountaintop finish there, uh, you know, that, that's very rare. So... It's a monster day, it's a little bit unknown, and it's, what we do know is it's going to be a good one. Absolutely. So it's 179 kilometres and 500 metres,
1: to be extremely precise. It starts in Briançon, finishes at Isoar. The geographical nerds would go, hang on a minute, Briançon is at the bottom of the Isoar, but they yes. do a nice
2: loop. Uh, Isoar, I believe it's a, a climb you know very well. Well, I don't know if I'll say very well. I raced over it, the, the one and only time I rode a Grand Tour was the Giro d'Italia in 2000, and we raced over the Isouard, down the other side and so up the same way the Tour de France will, will come up, and then down the other side and finished into Briançon. and I had beautiful memories of that stage actually I, I suffered, but it was just a beautiful beautiful part of the world and wow, the mountains were majestic and the Isouard, I remember climbing it, and it was stinking hot, and that was in May, so what we've had here, the weather, it's just going to be scorching, I'd imagine, on these wild. So you
1: have a, a better understanding of that climb than me, because I've never ridden that, uh, that climb. When you say grueling, at the top as well, it's tiny, it's small, which means the crowd are going to
2: be packed up over there, because people would want to be there. It will be jam-packed, it's, and it's very rocky and... Stony, You know, it's uh, there's not much life at the top of the Col de I mean, it sits at 2,360 metres, so 2,360. It's high. It's high. It's not as high as the Col de Galibier, but it's up there. And, you know, when you look at it, the distance, it's 14 kilometres. There's some gradients of like 9, 9, 10%. You know, there's two kilometres of 10%. There's two kilometres at 9%. So it's just, it's not the steepest climb, but at the very end of three weeks it's it feels like it you know it feels tough and you know let's not forget Col de Vars. Col de Vars is nine kilometers in length at an average of seven and a half percent prior to the Isouard so it's a tough stage absolutely uh, and the Isouard it keeps on kicking so because you go 10 7
1: 10 7, so it's really a grueling grueling climb for this it's the fact that it's not
2: um, it's not a gradual climb it keeps on kicking Gee, you'd be you'd be you'd be a barrel of laughs in a team meeting, wouldn't you? Saying to the boys, "Oh, it keeps on kicking, boys! It keeps on." God, she's I love the way you're. Run... Oh, yeah, no, don't ever be a director sport if. Uh, I don't plan to. <laughs> but you're right. It does. It, it kicks up, and uh, no, it'll be look. And the other the other question is obviously it's it will really help decide the yellow jersey, but the guys think about the guys that have got to survive and make the time cut, the riders that have crashed out, the riders that have missed the time cut. We saw it early on in the tour. It's been a really war of attrition, this Tour de France. They always are grand tours, but this one in particular, with crashes, with big, big names withdrawing, and this day is another day for that, you know. So there'll be guys that are actually nervous because they know if they get through this, they'll pretty much make it to Paris, you know, Friday, Friday, is a flat earth stage. Saturday is the time trial, and then it's a the procession. Dare we say that? It's still a race at the end, but the first part of it is it a procession. So that's a really tough stage. So,
1: potentially, three jerseys can be decided tonight. Because we can talk uh, King of the Mountain, Paul Cadot, can be decided tonight. The green jersey, with Kittel retiring yesterday. Uh, and if Matthews hangs on uh, and doesn't have any problem, then yeah, of course, he's got to
2: finish, but that could be decided. And you mentioned the yellow jersey it could be decided here as well tonight. Yeah, it could be. It could be. You'd, you'd almost think, I, I actually think the yellow won't be decided. I think we'll have to wait until the end of that time trial in Marseille. It would be decided if Bardet doesn't capture the yellow tonight. If Froome is still in yellow tonight, don't you think it's probably be a done deal? I love it how you're going that uh, there's only one other bloke in the race compared to Chris Froome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm thinking, I'm, I'm starting to really sway towards Rigoberto Urán. I've been reading a couple of articles. I love the story. It's, it's an amazing story. For for the people listening who don't know, can I just elaborate on it? So of course you can. Like, I'm being completely biased, but of course you can. But he, he grew up in Colombia. His father used to sell lottery tickets. His father was killed in crossfire by guerrillas war guerrillas you know that post that post cocaine era before that when they were battling as a nation trying to get to peace he then took over selling the lottery tickets to support his mother and daughter he then became a pro cyclist at such a young age the story's amazing you know he's finished twice second at the Giro to tell you he's a humble guy he's so down to earth Nothing ever worries him because it, look, at his, look at his past. Look what's happened to him. He was 14 years of age when he lost his father, Rigoberto Urán. And it's like the second coming of him at this year's race. No one... Le Kip Le did not even give him one star pre-beginning in Dusseldorf. This is what is amazing about the whole journey of this Colombian. So, and he's the best time trialist apart from Chris Froome leading into Marseille. So... Bring it on, baby. <laughs> but but to, to, uh, in order for Urán to be a
1: challenge in that time trial, don't you think he needs to be in yellow tonight? If he's not in yellow tonight,
2: if Froome is in yellow tonight, Froome will be yellow in Paris. I think so. However, Matthew Keenan made a good point. And I know this is just stats. And Matt Keenan, we know he loves stats and hypotheticals and all this. And I always say, well, you're only as good as your form at that point. You can't go back to history and go, oh, two years ago, but I'll do it for the sake of it dimension that i would uh, completely dismiss that but go go for it yeah yeah exactly dimension i would go well, well we're out of the job <laughs> a couple of years ago when he was second in the giro d'italia to nato quintana he looked like he had it won until that infamous stage over the Stelvio when it snowed in the individual time trial it was about 30, 40, 30 to 40 kilometers i can't remember the exact distance he ripped a minute 40 out of cadel evans who was actually going pretty good at that point. He ripped. Rigoberto Uran took a minute 40 out of Cadell Evans. I don't actually discount the fact that he could pull time on Chris Froome. I know it's, I know it's right out there, but crazy, crazier things have happened. Chris Froome is not the Chris Froome that has won his first three tours. They are closer to him than what they've ever been. It's the closest Tour de France of the top four ever in the 114-year history of the Tour de France. So anything can happen.
1: Absolutely. So that's a debate on our hands. We've got another debate on hand, is, of course this uh, question we've asked you at the beginning of the podcast about Lance Armstrong. Uh, like again, we're not taking any position. We'd like to understand your position. Do you think we should be listening to uh, Lance Armstrong is uh, there? Should he have a voice, and should we be listening? Uh, don't forget to uh, answer that call on Twitter, and then we'll uh, read some of your comments if they're not too nasty. Oh, yeah. I look forward to seeing them. <laughs> okay, but thanks, Maka. This is the end uh, of this podcast. It's been another good one, another good stage. And, jeez, it's starting again tomorrow. I love the Alps.
2: Oh, I love it. The Alps are my favourite, I've got to say. They they are just beautiful. And the Galibier, I love the Galibier and the Isward. Can't wait to get to it. Absolutely. what well, This is the end of
1: this podcast. Before we go, a quick shout out to the JFR Cycling Club from Saint Ives or Saint Yves is near Sydney. I know you guys are listening and then we are uh, responding to your comment. Uh, we love any comment we can get. So if anyone wants another shout out, uh, you can always hit us on Twitter. Thanks, Maca. We'll see you uh, before the end of this tour anyway. We will. I reckon our next uh, meet up will be in Marseille at the TT. Absolutely. Thanks, Maca. And this is it for this podcast uh, today. Remember, you can uh, download or stream uh, this podcast on SoundCloud, soundcloud.com slash cyclingcentral, on our website, sbs.com.au slash cyclingcentral, on iTunes, of course, and on the lovely uh, partners of ours, Zwift, where you can schedule a ride on Zwift.com. Have a great day. Get some rest because it's another grueling stage tonight. And until now, and on behalf of the whole team here at SBS, it's goodbye for now. Au revoir et à demain.
0: Thanks to Zwift for sponsoring the SBS Tour de France podcast. Every day throughout the Tour de France, there are SBS group rides that you can join and see how your wattage output compares to the likes of Richie Porte and Chris Froome. Check it out today by visiting Zwift.com to learn more.